I remember a weird case back in 92. I was just new on the force when a hunter came across a group of trampers in an old abandoned house. They were all dead. The bodies were found lying on the floor, twisted and contorted. One of the victims had their upper body facing in the opposite direction. Another victim's head had been twisted a full 360 degrees. Their faces were deformed, mouths open as if they were screaming. But that wasn't the weird part. The wounds were all self-inflicted. Handfuls of their own hair and flesh gripped tightly in their clenched fists. One of the trampers had gouged his own eyes out and some of his remains were found in his own stomach. The only clue I'm told was a book found near the victims. This book was no ordinary book. It was Māori and old, real old. For some reason, I wasn't allowed near the case and whenever I asked about it, I was told in no uncertain terms, keep my nose out of it. Today, another case has shown up on my desk, bearing all the same hallmarks and at the same house. Adrian, you ready to go? His real name is Steve. He's a rookie out of Clendon, Auckland. A real tough neighbourhood. When I say rookie, I mean he's a new detective who also thinks he's the reincarnation of Judge Dredd. I am the law type of guy. That's why I call him Dredd. He was sent to me in the hope that I would tone him down and help him acclimatise to the ways of the brown man. I'm insulted. He tries to practice his Māori on me, but I refuse to engage. In my opinion, if you want to learn anything Māori, you should try a course at Te Wānango Aotearoa. So, this should be fun. I'm 52. I'm supposed to be enjoying these years, sitting quietly at a desk, eating the proverbial donut, not pushing this guy along on his training wheels. Don't we have people for that? Senior Sergeant Cody said I was uptight and that it would be good for me. I'll tell you what would be good for me. A pay rise would be good for me. A bigger office would be good for me too. Dread, come on, let's go. Dread comes out wielding a shotgun. Kua radio. Dread, what the heck are you doing? You can never be too careful, Ehoa. This is a murder case, isn't it? Stop calling me that and get rid of that thing before you hurt yourself. He double flicks his eyebrows at me. I'm not impressed. No, he's not available at the moment. You can speak to me on this matter. No, we can't do that. Steve's voice begins to rise. I don't care who this is. Do you know who you're speaking to? I'm the... Sorry about that, new secretary. First day on the job. Hone speaking. How can I help you? Kia ora, Hone. This is Marka. 
I understand that there has been an unfortunate incident. The deaths at the house. How do you know? I have my sources. I'm just ringing to remind the police that the land and the house are the property of Ngāti Aui. I understand there was a book found. Look, I can't comment. The information has not been made available. You may retrieve the bodies, but the book is off limits. Oh, I'm sorry. The only thing I will say is that the house is a crime scene, and as such, everything at the scene, including the book, will probably end up in evidence. Detective, let me make myself perfectly clear. Under no circumstances are you to touch that book. Ui, is that a threat? I'm saying this for your protection. I'm sending someone to the house. They should be there later today. I trust you'll show them more courtesy than you have shown me. You should have let me deal with the mehua. Maku here, e patsu. Just get in the car. Getting to the house is a mission and a half. Down the end of a long, windy road, and then a 1k hike across dense bush. When we get near, there are keep out signs everywhere, and a seven foot high barbed wire fence that encircles the entire house. It's a run down bushman's hut from the 50s, with a couple of broken windows, no door, and missing boards. What? Steve has stopped just short of a well-concealed animal trap. Whew. Thanks. How'd you spot that? I'm a keen hunter. After a while, you get to know what to look out for. There's quite a few of them. Tsitsiro. Someone's gone to a lot of trouble to keep people away. But from this shack... We squeeze through the gap in the barbed wire fence and go into the house. There's no one there. It's as quiet as a cemetery, which, ironically enough, it has become. Inside are the two victims. One male, one female. Their bodies are in unnatural positions, with twisted expressions of extreme pain. They're also showing an advanced state of decay. Sheesh, didn't these guys die yesterday? I think that's what the report said. They look like they've been dead for over a week. Kill the boss. Detective Hone, what are you doing out there? Why didn't you talk to me first, hmm? Initiative, oh, I didn't want to bother you. Take your pick, sir. I want you to return to the station immediately. But sir, we're here right now. Get the heck out of there and don't touch anything. There's a team already en route. Oh, but sir... I mean it. If you touch anything, consider it your resignation. Me I'm thinking. Okay, I want you to stay here until the other team arrives. But Senior Sergeant told us to return to the station. No, no. He said for me to return. You stay. See what you can find out. Well, what are you going to do? I take several photos of the book and a quick video of the bodies. Wearing latex gloves, I use a pair of tweezers and carefully pick up a torn piece of parchment 
from the corner of one of the pages, gently placing it into a small plastic bag. I'm gonna get a mate of mine to have a look at this. I'll meet you later back at the station. Hmm. Aye, Hmm. I stop at the university. My friend Kitty is a scientist there, working in one of the labs. Hey, uh, can we keep this discreet? Sounds like someone's in trouble. No, not yet. It's from a book. Uh, let me show you, I've got some pictures. Of old, uh, house. Oh, here it is. Take a look. Um, these photos are warped. I can't make anything out. What? They look like they have paint smeared across them. Oh. Hey, hang on. Uh, I also took a video. Hey, here it is. Hey, what the heck? Perhaps you walked past one of the magnets. Mm, possibly. Anyway, there's something in this bag. You mind taking a look? Sure. Leave it with me. I'll run some tests and carbon date it. Shouldn't take too long. I'll give you a call as soon as I get the results back. No. Can we keep this one quiet? No phones. Oh, sure. Of course. I'll come back. Right. Uh, give me an hour. Thanks. When I arrive at the station, Steve is already there, and the sergeant is in his office with the blinds closed. Kia ora, What's going on there? Oh, visitors, I think. What happened to you? Obviously someone turned up. Oh yeah, they turned up all right. I was gagged, blindfolded, and sent back faster than you can say this is not a cover-up. Did you see anything else? Didn't tell me anything. Not really. Oh, one thing. What? Nothing. They did nothing that you would normally see in an investigation. It was more like an outbreak. The cleanup crew had all the biohazard suits, the works. Okay, Dredd. You have a dig around and see if you can find any records from over the years. Any evidence, anything. There should be something. This happened once before, back in my early days. Kapai, Maku, what will you do? I'm going to head back to my buddy at the university and see if he's found anything. When I arrive at the university, there are a couple of ambulances with their lights flashing. Two police cars. I run inside and flash my badge to the officers at the door. Hey, hey, what's going on? I didn't hear anything on the radio. I was told to secure the area and not let anyone in. Well, I'm different. This is my friend's office. Your friend? But... Out of the way. Hey! There, in the lab, my friend is slumped over his microscope, his body contorted in the same way as the victims at the shack. Oh my god, no, Kitty. I shake my head and cover my face with my hands. Rubbing wearily at my eyes, I exhale deeply and step closer to take a good look at my friend. Kitty's face is twisted beyond recognition. 
His head twisted completely around to face forward again in the most unnatural way possible. Clutched in Getty's hand was a piece of paper. Stop right there, Detective. Boss, what are you doing here? I sneaked a piece of paper out of Kitty's hand and put it in my back pocket. I might say the same thing. You need to leave right now. What's going on, boss? I'll talk with you about it back at the station. A group in biohazard suits arrive and quickly usher me out of the room, along with everyone else in the building. As soon as I get back to my car, I take a look at the paper. It's a carbon date report. 68.2% probability. 1275 AD. 1330. Cal. AD. 95.45% probability. 1255 AD. To 1340. Cal. AD. Agreement. 93.2%. Kia ora. Detective Fonny speaking. Dread. Aye. Just a quick heads up, the boss is on his way to the university. Yeah, yeah, I got that. And I've had no luck. What? Kareko, no evidence, no reports of any kind, nothing. But the kids that died back in 92, there must be a coroner's report. Yep. Well, what does it say? They're restricted. Access is way above our pay grade. Whoa, that was a complete waste of time. Ah, uh, not exactly. I did come across one thing that you might find interesting. Great. What is it? It's a bit... I tried to call back, but Dredd's phone has been disconnected. So I head back to the station. Looking in my rearview mirror, I can see that I'm being followed by two vehicles. Government issue. I put my lights on and take off. Two normal looking cars chasing a police car. On any other day, that would look odd. The cars pursue me all the way to the station. When I arrive, I jump out just in time to watch the other two vehicles continue on their way. The windows are tinted, so I can't make out who's inside. I barge into the police station. Steve is there waiting and he can see that I'm upset. Let me say it for you, boss. Pokokohua. Everyone in the office freezes, especially the Māori. I couldn't have put it a better way myself. Okay, now what you find that was interesting? I had to dig around for this one, but I found a video, VHS 92. I don't know what's on it yet, but I'm picking it's something to do with those four kids. It was probably overlooked because it's VHS. I think there's an old VHS player in evidence. Come on. We sit up in my room and play the tape. The picture is terribly grainy. It shows four teenagers sitting up to go tramping and then a compilation of moments along the kid's journey. It shows them goofing around, having fun. Finally, the video jolts as it has clearly been dropped, but it's continued to record. 
the figures move in and out of the video lens. One of the trampers suddenly falls to the floor and starts thrashing about, while a second one is reading aloud from the book. The sounds are harsh, the language unrecognisable, they're screaming. One of the kids comes straight up to the camera, grabs his head and twists it right around. His body topples to the ground with a thump. The teenager reading aloud is facing away from the camera. There are wet, squishing sounds as she slowly gouges her own eyes out. We have to show someone this. No, you don't. Senior Sergeant Tui bursts through the door. With him is a tall, stern grower. Steve and I jump to our feet. Onet, Steve, this is Korotango, Kaumatsu of Ngātiawe. He is the keeper of the book. He's also my uncle. Several pennies start to drop. Take a seat. You're going to need it. The sergeant closes and locks the door. Then he and the Korowa sit down, both with very serious expressions. The book you saw was written by our Tupu. A necromancer called Tewiri. He was a tohunga of spells pertaining to the dead. Reanimation, dark magic, all of it. He wrote the book back in the late 18th century. Hang on a minute. My sources date the book around 800 years old. How's that possible? Tewiri tried to write on the paper of the time, but his writings were so tapu that it burnt the paper or anything that he tried to write on. He needed something as tapu. The book that you saw was made from an old piece of rako that came from one of the waka that journeyed from Hawaii. That piece of wood was made into paper that became the book. As was traditional back then, a number of willing sacrifices formed the modi of the book much the same way as a whareinui. You know that in order for a whareinui to live, someone must die. And that person becomes the modi, ne? Those are the old ways. This book followed the old ways. We also believe that the written spells in the book have kept the keepers of the modi of the book alive. They protect the book, and anyone that touches the book is possessed by one of these keepers. They are known to us as Kiko Kiko, a type of malevolent wairua that drives any who touch the book insane. You saw the results. The kids in 1992. The couple yesterday. Oh, no. I shake my head, thinking of Kitty. Yes, and your friend today. We have tried to destroy it, burn it, blow it up, all a waste of time. Each time we tried to bury it or throw it in the ocean, it would always find its way back. So we left it in that house, away from people. But fences, warning signs, traps are obviously all a waste of time too. Also, we have to keep it quiet. If its existence becomes known, Man will abuse it, try and control, end in death and disaster, I'll get it. Exactly. So what do we do? 
We tend to the families concerned and wait until someone can figure out how to put the book to rest. We're working on that now. So, get the bike order. Steve and I nod, understanding that we are caught between a rock and a hard place. The Krowa stands and gives us both a long, stern look. With a nod, he and the senior sergeant leave. Koko Kohua! Oh, by dread. I couldn't have put it a bit away myself. Aramui, let's go find the donut. Paki kehua, he mea tuku, nā te wānanga o Aotearoa, a nā te māngai pāho i tautoko. Paki kehua, brought to you by te wānanga o Aotearoa, with funding from te māngai pāho.